rise. We will continue uh, in the book of Revelation. Now, we have made it. We have made it to the, the finals, the very final uh, visions of heaven. Heaven proper, this, this final, final destination, the final heaven at the culmination of all things. Now, uh, heaven. Heaven uh, is one of our most popular questions. People constantly want to talk about it. They want to hear more about it. And your view of heaven will tell a lot about you. All right, so uh, this, is the, this is the culmination of all things. This is where everything is moving. And however you see that heaven, God's paradise, the, the greatest of all things, uh, says a lot about you. It, it tells you about what you think uh, mankind is headed towards, what the most important things are, uh, where we're headed. And as a Christian, we are we're citizens of heaven. Right? If you put your faith in Christ, uh, you're actually already seated in the heavenly places and, and you are moving towards the new heavens and the new earth. And we need a view of heaven that is not light or fluffy or hypothetical. Because we're supposed to remember that like the, the weightiness of heaven and the reality of it is supposed to make light and momentary every other affliction. It's supposed to, uh, to fix our gaze and to, to capture us that we would not be enamored with the world and with, with the things that are, are perishing. So our hope today is that we might uh, have hearts that, that long for heaven, that cherish it, and that, that give us this, this grand purpose to move towards. So with that in mind, uh, we're going to answer some, some questions about heaven. First, uh, when is heaven, this heaven that we're talking about? Where is it? What is it? And how do we get there? Okay. Very basic questions. Uh, but the answers are, are far more complicated than we might expect. So uh, when is it? Where is it? What is it? How do we get there? Let's read Revelation 21, verses 1 through 8. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, 
it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. And the one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Father, we praise you as you sit on the throne. And Lord, we await this day, and we ask that we might uh, be enlightened and, and you might reveal to us the greatness of this eternal dwelling place with you. Lord, that it would be tangible and, and real to us not just a, a fantasy or a light and boring thing, but, Father, that we might uh, long to dwell with you, to see all things restored and renewed. And we ask that we might uh, be resolute and perseverant in our faith to trust Jesus to take us there, we pray in Christ's name. All right, so our first question. Our first question is, when? When is this final heaven? Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. All right, so when we talk about heaven, uh, it can be a little difficult, because there are actually two heavens in the Bible. All right, there is, first, the, the present heaven present heaven, which, as you might understand it, uh, is right now. But there's a second place, heaven, called the new heaven and the new earth. Now, it's important that we have both of these. If we just have the one, we'd actually be in trouble. And we should not be content with present heaven. All right, too many Christians... Uh, think about heaven as kind of this place to, to escape, to get out of this, this corrupt and fallen world and just get out of Dodge and leave everything behind. And they will be, you'll be happy up there in heaven, away from it all. All right. That is, that is not the heaven we're talking about today. There is a present heaven. We don't want to actually be content with that heaven because we care. We, we care about what happens to this place. We care about the future of humanity. We care about justice being done and all things made new and made right. And so there is this, this second heaven, a second heaven that does not exist yet. And no one is there because it hasn't taken place. It hasn't been built yet. And when we die, those who are in Christ will be with Christ. 
They will be in his presence. But we will not be finished. And we actually will not be fully at peace or or ready for that to be the end. No, we will gather with all of the saints and we will wait. We will wait until true, final, new heaven and new earth comes. After the resurrection of everyone from the dead. After every spirit is restored together with their body. After everyone has stood before the great judgment seat. After, every, after Satan has been thrown down and defeated, then, and only then, will all things come together in new heaven and the new earth, and it will be done once and for all. Now, uh, we should care about that, that larger mission. We care about justice and, and evil being defeated. We care about God getting his, his final glory and restoring all things as they should be. We will not ultimately be at peace or at rest or really find a complete and utter contentment until all things are brought under his rule until this final time. Now it takes us to our next question. All right. Uh, where is it? Where is this final heaven? Verse 2. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, this present heaven, from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. So there is a city. A city built by God that descends and it comes down from heaven, from above, down to earth. So, where is this final heaven? It is here. It is here on this earth. That from the beginning there was this division of heaven and earth. Sky parted. God and man and in this day, heaven and earth shall become one. United together. No longer separated. Now, thinking about that. If heaven feels like this kind of foggy, cloudy, ethereal, boring place, in one sense you're wrong and in one sense you're right. All right. You're right in the sense that that is, that is present heaven right now. It is people without bodies. It is not physical. It is not tangible. It cannot be grasped. But that's because it's not, it's not finished yet. That is not our final home. Our he- final home is when that heaven comes down to earth and they are restored and redeemed, and now there is this physical, tangible, real, graspable, new heaven and new earth combined.
Now, what's important about that? What's important about the fact that uh, that heaven comes down and restores and redeems? Sometimes when we talk about heaven and we talk about the final days and the final coming, uh, we act like uh, it's just going to be replaced. Okay, that this whole world is just going to go up in flames be blown to bits, and then God is just going to create this new, better thing in its place. All right. God has never been in that business. He has never been in the business of just destroying and starting again. Even the greatest example, the flood, he, he didn't start again. He could have, but he doesn't. All right. He is not a God who replaces things. He redeems things. He renews and restores. He overhauls and renovates. And that is what he's going to do with the earth. And every believer who dwells on the earth and is here, he is going to renew and restore and redeem. And just as a side note, uh, he will do that with you. All right, you will not be replaced with this kind of robot that is perfect. No, he'll take you and renew and redeem and glorify you in all of your, like, uniqueness and with your relative strengths and weaknesses, and, and you will be you fully and utterly and in your best form in a way that, that only you can glorify God in who you are. Right. You do not become this like Jesus robot. But you are renewed and you're restored and that, that's what happens to everything, to the whole earth. All right, so there's this quote uh, and it's falsely attributed to Luther, but it's, it's kind of helpful anyway. So uh, someone said this. All right. <laughs> Maybe, probably not. All right. Uh, he, this is the quote of not Luther. Uh, if heaven were to come tomorrow, I would plant a tree today. If heaven were to come tomorrow, I would plant a tree today. All right, this is a litmus test, a test to see if you think about heaven correctly. Because if you say, like, well, who cares if you plant a tree? It doesn't matter. Then you've disconnected this present earth and the future world. When they are, they're one place. And that tree, that tree that was planted in this present earth will still exist in the new heavens and the new earth. Yet it will be in all of its glory and for all eternity, this, this glorious piece of creation that demonstrates the, the wonder and beauty of God. That that tree will, will, will follow into redemption and into the new heavens and earth in all glory. Now, that's, that's the, the depth by which the real physical earth parallels the realities of that future one. Real achievements can be carried. Cultural, cultural beauties can be carried into this new heavens and this new earth. So what does that mean for us? 
What does that mean for you thinking about heaven? All right, there shouldn't be anything too mundane to imagine in heaven. All right, there are things, there are, there's coffee in heaven. Why would there not be coffee in heaven? All right, uh, a lot of people are like, are there animals in heaven? Of course there's animals in heaven. Why would there not be animals in heaven? Uh, God created these things that, that glorify him and show his creativity and his, his wonder. Yes, they'll be in heaven. And they'll be brought in their, their redeemed state in all glory. Will the, will the snakes kill us anymore? No. But the snakes will still be there. All right, there will still be fellowship and relationship with other believers in heaven. That'll be the, the beauty of the, the love of the church expressed. Uh, there will be work. Some of you are terrified that you'll be bored to death in heaven. All right, there'll be work to do. And not like ancient Near Eastern work, like, oh, you just sit in a garden and tend your grapes. Right, like you could, there's technology in heaven and vehicles and, and buildings to, to build and, and things to invent. The creativity of humanity will still be there. It's just that when we build the things, they will not come crumbling down. And they will not be for our glory, but for God's. And we won't take pride in them ourselves. We will share them and collectively rejoice in them. There will be nature to enjoy. There will be sports to play and food to eat. It all comes. It all comes to be enjoyed to the glory of God. It is not going to be that cloudy place where you sit with a harp, eyes glazed over, not sure what you're going to do for all eternity. That is not what we're talking about. All right. If there are things that interest you here, they will be far more interesting in heaven. Heaven will be more vibrant. It will be more, more real, not less real than life today. We live, we live in something broken in a world that doesn't work as it should, that isn't as glorious as it should be, that is marred in every sense, and we will come to know creation as God meant it to be, perfectly glorifying him, and we as perfect members of it, and of one another, enjoying it to the glory of God. All right, so what do you need to do? Uh... You should have a heavenly bucket list and think along those lines. Like in the new heavens and new earth, what, what will I do? What do I want? What do I want to enjoy so that, so that we can release our, our present earth bucket list? All right. It's, it's not like we're going to lose all opportunity in the future. Nothing is going to be lost if we are in Christ and we find ourselves here. It will all be waiting for us, glorified and redeemed. All right, so what, what do you long to, to see and to do and to experience? Do you have the imagination 
to, to consider the reality of this place. A redeemed world enjoyed with redeemed community. Real and tangible and physical. Now that takes us to our next question. Okay, so uh, in another sense, what, 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 will this, what will this heaven be like? We've talked about the, the creation part of it, but we get more in verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. So when, when Revelation is, revealed, it is revealing this picture, what is the, the summary that's given? It actually isn't about creation. It doesn't list out all of that stuff, not because it, it won't be glorious and wonderful, but because instead of focusing on the creation, it focuses on the creator himself. And the most glorious way for John to, to present the glorious picture that he sees revealed before him is God dwelling with man. Mankind enjoying God in perfect freedom, unhindered by anything, and standing before their creator in all of his glory. Now, we shouldn't, that's where like, I want to remind us, like what this is talking about, this, this picture of the, the bride. And if the bride on her wedding day were most excited about the mansion she was going to live in, we'd have something to say about the bride. Or if she was looking forward to, you know, like his, his estate and how wonderful it would be, uh, our hope would be that she'd be most excited about marrying her husband, you know, being with him and like life with him and, and dwelling with him. All right, that's the reality of how we're called to think about heaven. That the greatest thing we can get is God himself. Is God himself before us in, in who he is and what he is. He will dwell with them. Now let's, let's think. Let's try, let's try to, to pound on our cold hearts and try to realize how amazing this is. All right, he is, he is beauty. In his, in his radiance and his splendid majesty, he will captivate us in a way that we have never beheld beauty and we will never be content besides just, just seeing him unveiled in all of his glory. And we will long to know more and to see more of him and to enjoy him in all of his fullness. 
He is joy and he is happiness and he is bliss. He does not have those things. He is those things. And to be with him is to experience the great fountainhead of all joy. In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. He is all creativity and wisdom and knowledge. There is, there is nothing to, he's incomprehensible in his greatness and we'd be content for all eternity seeking to truly understand the, the depth of who he is. He is glory and majesty and power. to dwell with this one. Have you ever been around someone who is like just truly loving and caring and like joy-filled and how it's infectious and just like spreads across the room? All right, that is, that is a, a drop in the bucket, a drop in the ocean of the, the joy that God is and the delight that is to stand in his presence they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. We do not know our God like this, though. To understand what it means to, to really be his, and to see him in his glory, and then to look at ourselves, and to know that he cares for us, and loves us and created us that we might be in fellowship with him for all eternity. At that moment, we will, we will not need other things. We will not wonder what our purpose is or who we are. We will understand that we are worshipers of this God and that we are content to be worshipers of this God every day for the rest of eternity. And we will enjoy his glory and we will take part in it and delight to be in him and with him. Do you long to, to dwell with God? To be with him and enjoy him? to know the one who, who sent his son to die for you, who loved you that much, and now knows you completely and loves you fully and just invites you to enjoy him forever. That is the new heaven and the new earth. What will he do? He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. The former things have passed away. Every source of death and mourning and crying and pain will be no more. That death will be defeated. 
that death will be swallowed up in resurrection, victory, and life. That those who have fallen asleep in Christ will be resurrected, reunited. That broken bodies and broken lives and hurts and pains and sufferings that all of these things will never come ever again. And they won't just not come again, they'll be healed and restored and redeemed. We talked about how there, uh, earlier we mentioned that there was, uh, some of the other things, they, they pass away, but what, the sea, the sea is no more. The sea is no more. All right, I want to be careful. Sometimes uh, heaven, when we talk about heaven, uh, we act like it's the only part of Revelation that isn't symbolic. <laughs> and we think like, oh, everything's going to be gold there. Uh, maybe not. Maybe that's symbolic. Um, well, I'll leave that to Steve next week. Um, <laughs> kind of gave my, my slight interpretation there. But um, all right, the sea will be no more. Why? Because the sea is not just the sea. The sea is a, a symbol of, of chaos and death. Remember, the creatures rose out of the sea, and he's saying, like, okay, that the birthplace of all chaos and evil, and yeah, it's just going to be gone. And so, like, no evil could ever hide. There's no threat to the people ever again, and these things will never return. And so, like, there'll be nothing to cry over. For all those things are gone once and for all. Now, some of you uh, hear that and you think, okay, then God must just uh, wipe, wipe the memory banks and slap on a happy sticker. Because, like, I, how can I think that there's people that I love who, who might be perishing? Or there are hurts that have hurt me, and like I will, I will never get over them. He must just have to wipe them from my brain. All right, we cannot, we cannot assume our present state and cast it into heaven, and then think like I will probably be discontent there because I'm really discontent now. All right, that's missing one one important thing: uh, to be in the presence of God, to behold Him. And to see him face to face and to be transformed by his glory. From glory to glory as he transforms us into his glorious image. And that's where like things will change in his presence. Every one of us doesn't think God is actually that glorious. Or actually that worth everything. And in that moment, you will understand. And you'll think differently about everything. And you'll feel differently about everything. And all the sufferings that we thought, oh, maybe, it was, maybe it's not worth it. How, how could this be for God's glory? Is it? In that moment, we'll understand. And we'll say, yes. Yes. It was worth. It was worth it that you make it. Praise and glory, God. When we see judgment, we think like, how could God ever make up for it? And then we see him and we understand. We say, you are right and you are wise. 
and you are just and you are holy. Nothing will be the same in his presence. You will not be the same in his presence. And what will we do? We will spend all of eternity kind of dissecting this like grand tapestry that is the, the will of God that he has worked everything for the good of those who love him and for the glory of his name. How every single believer there, you'll get to know their story and their interconnected way that they, they glorify God. And, and we will be able to, to tell that story of the glory of God for all eternity. And our little part in it. And how it connects to every other part. And as we see the glory of God, we will know that every single strand, every single little piece of that is in the perfect spot, at the right time, in the right place. And we will no longer be there. We have a concept of God's glory that is like that. I don't think we can we can experience it here and now. But we can fight to believe it and to know it. The last section. How do we get there? We get there because God will make it happen. Verse 20. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. As for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. How will we get there? This is God's work. This is God's work. None of us deserve to be there. None of us can earn our place there. None of us can build this place. This place does not exist because one day everyone's going to get their act together and realize that we should just be a lot nicer to each other. It's going to be because God himself is making all things new. It is going to be because his words are trustworthy and true. And he has resolved to do this. And just so, just so there's clarity here, uh, we're not going trying to go backwards. Right? Uh, we're not trying to get back to Eden. Eden was nice. Uh, but you know the story of Eden. It didn't go so well. All right, we're not trying to go back to a garden. We're trying to get to a city. And 
in the garden, there was temptation. There was still sin and, and death. The, the serpent was still there. And things were, were innocent, but immature. No, we want to get to a place where God has done it. And he has brought us to the end and it cannot be lost. And never will be lost. And we don't want to be innocent. We want to be glorified. We don't want to be unable to fall ever again. And we want a city built by God, not by man. We don't want Babylon. We want, we want the new heavens and the new earth. We want a new Jerusalem. We want the thing prepackaged and delivered to us, and that is what we get in the new heavens and earth. It is done. It's final. And he has said that. Like, write this down. These are words are trustworthy and true. It is done. I have made that place, and it's not going anywhere. And then what does he say? He says, to the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. It is free. It is a gift. It is a gift of grace. It is earned not by works, but by faith. He will do it, and he will give it freely. And how do we know that? We know that because he's already started the process. Do you remember what we called Jesus like two weeks ago? The word of God, faithful and true. And what does he say? He says, write this, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He has already sent his word, faithful and true, and it is Jesus Christ. And when you hear this, we ought to like, all the little connections start to explode when we realize, okay, have you heard the story of heaven coming down before? It shouldn't seem that unexpected. All right. We had the, the one from heaven who came down, who came down and dwelt with man. And when he came, what did he come to? He, he brought a taste of the new heavens and earth, right? He destroyed death. He resurrected the dead to new life. He, he wiped away tears. He healed and, and restored. He, he defeated Satan and cast out demons. Right? He came down to dwell with us. He came down as the bridegroom to secure for himself a bride. And he wept, and he suffered. He experienced death. He experienced all of the brokenness of this world so that, so that sinners who have no right to stand before God might be free from sin and free from death and free from all condemnation by his word. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. Jesus, John 7, 
On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The gift of life is, is found in Christ. It is found in his blood that was shed. He has already conquered. He has defeated. And he holds out for us the free gift of life in himself. Now that leaves us with, with two options. Two calls. Two choices. We can conquer or we can be defeated. And those who are defeated, who do not want Christ, who do not love him, who do not seek this free gift, they do not find themselves in this new heaven and the earth. They find themselves in a lake of fire, which makes sense. There is nothing for them in the new heavens and earth that they will love. They do not want to be the bride. They do not want to delight in him for all eternity. They don't want the praise. And we ask ourselves now, now at this point, do I want this? Do I want to worship God for all eternity? Do I want to experience this life? Do I want to know him? Do I want to be part of the collective that, that honors and glorifies him? Do I want to find my purpose in praising his name and enjoying him for all eternity? If so, then Christ has come, come and found me. The gift is free free gift of eternal life in Christ. Let us live as those who are going to, to taste and experience all of these things and all of the fullness. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we praise you as the one who is faithful and true and faithful and true in Christ. Lord, we know that we would have no standing before you. We would be we would be terrified to stand in your presence were it not for the glory of Christ, for the work of his hands, for the blood that he has shed. And so we thank you for it. We thank you for Christ who went ahead of us. We thank you that he came down to secure us, his bride, to all those who put their faith in him. Lord, we ask that, that those who hear of the glories of Christ and the beauties of this free gift, that they would receive them that they would take them with utter delight, that we would all cherish the gift that we have been given in Christ, and that we would long to dwell with him for all eternity.
Lord, would you give us the perseverance that we need to make it to this final day? Would you keep our faith in Christ and in nothing else? Would you forsake all others? Would you forsake even ourselves and our works and our own righteousness and seek that of